Well, if anyone's going to dramatize anything. I guess it'd be the media. Oh, God, (laughs) for instance, there's a vicious pit bull terrier. Look how vicious he is. He's going to eat a vicious pit bull terrier. Why, those dogs are illegal in the United (laughs) Kingdom because, obviously, they are a very threat (laughs) to the fabric of society. Eat small children every day. Oh, that's what we feed them. (laughs) Best dog I ever had was a pit bull. Why is it that everybody that knows anything about dogs knows that pit bulls are the sweetest animals on the face of the planet. And cat people all seem to think that they should all be illegal and shit. I don't, I don't understand it. Welcome back to the podcast. We're pleased you're here today. Uh, we're here with uh, our friend Nikki Sims. Nikki's the starting strength coach in Atlanta, Georgia, USA. And she's here with her friend Henry. This is Henry Pitts. He's a good boy. Henry is. Look at how pretty he is. The best dog you'll ever meet. He's a handsome dog. He's a handsome dog. So, uh, Nikki just wrote an uh, article, I guess you'd call it, for us uh, that was an essay article piece. We in the business refer to them as. Pieces. I don't know why that's what they're called. Um, regarding, uh, and in fact, I think the title was uh, How to Get Your Squat Up 405 in, in, what was it, eight weeks? How to Squat 405 in 12 Weeks. How to Squat 405 in 12 Weeks. And the article title was uh, intentionally misleading. It was a lie. A lie. I took advantage of... It, it was the flash thing, right? It's yes. like, it's like, have sex with any woman now. Yeah. Right? That kind of thing. It's just designed to get, uh, designed to get clicks. And yeah. I, it's, you know, shamelessly, we do that sometimes. <laughs> and uh, we're not above that at all. Uh, in reality, the article was not about how anyone can get their squad up to 405 in 12 weeks. It was about your training habits and how ensuring that your training habits were optimum will get you the optimum results in any period of time you'd like to select. So Nikki, tell us about it. So um, I hear on the Facebook group sometimes and just in conversations with new clients um, how they want to squat 500 pounds or they want to squat 405 to be considered an adult male and I appreciate like the intent to be strong and to to show that by doing a really heavy squat. Um, but sometimes that can, that can, what can happen during training is you'll start comparing yourself too much to people that have different genetics than you do, or, um, you don't really take responsibility for your recovery habits, um, or for your, uh, willpower for training and, what we want training to accomplish in addition to squatting more has a lot more to do with the actual number that you're going to end up with on the bar. Um, and for example, one of the major things that, um, training does is it makes you do things when you don't want to do them. 
And that's important because a lot of people get lost in, oh, I'm waiting to go to the gym until I feel motivated. And then they don't go to the gym. <laughs> and you can't wait for motivation and training and you can't wait for motivation for other hard things in life. It's not going to come. <laughs> it's, it's up to you to make yourself do something on a schedule even when you don't want to do it. I think I'll wait till my squat is strong enough to do 405 and then I'll get my squat up to 405. I'll squat to 405. Yeah. I'll, I'll wait until I uh, don't need to do something and then do it. Right. Like I yeah, or I'll wait until I've gotten my core stronger to start squatting. Um, oh yes. Your I core. mean that's an unfortunate reason yeah. to wait to squat. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it's okay. just uh, <laughs> people have been told that people. I guess really the more general problem is is that there are people on the internet who will say anything in order to get you to pay them money. Absolutely. Like you right. can have will say the best booty butt you ever wanted if you just buy my program now. Right. Absolutely. And have abs in this many weeks. Yes, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but... Um, once again, the age-old maxim caveat emptor applies especially to fitness industry product. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, what do you think? Well, I think that I think that um, the 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 things that happen to a person emotionally, um, mentally, and physically through training are really important things, and. Um, it's easy to appeal to anything that's emotional. And a lot of what happens when people lose weight or get stronger is very emotional. So we're easily grabbed by titles like how to squat 405 in 12 weeks or how to lose weight now, like every, sure, you know, sure. in shape magazine and dumb shit that's out there. So sure. it's, Everybody's it's easy intimate. ways in the fitness industry to get you, but it's hard to get where you truly want to be. Everybody is intimately wrapped up in their own self-image there's no doubt yeah yeah and there's so much more to be gained that doesn't really that isn't um centered around self-image the benefits that you'll find in your own self-image will come from doing hard things like struggling through squats struggling through deadlifts um doing things when you don't want to like when life is really tough or when like work is stressful you still keep your schedule and you create this habit that is with you all the time and it's yours like it's your strength it's not something that requires external validation because that is completely unreliable this is this is something that you've built and that's way more important than um you know how many thousands of people think that your butt looks good from a particular angle online that's easy that is the easy yeah. way out this is a this is a real good real good point. Uh, so many other, in fact, most of the other methods of, of uh, uh, programs of physical exercise that people are involved in, so often are are predicated on external validation. How you look, what other people think of the way you look, what other people think of what you're doing in the gym. Uh, our model, starting strength model, is, is predicated on how much you can do. Not your, not your perception, 
of how much you can do. This is a RPE discussion. It's not, it's not based on your perception of what you can do. It's not based on your perception of how you look. It's not based on anyone else's perception of how you look. It's not based on perception. It's based on what happened, what mm -hmm. actually occurred. Did you do 305 for three sets of five? Did the last rep of the fifth of the third set go? If it did, if that occurred, then you completed the work. If it did not occur, it doesn't matter what you think about it. It doesn't matter what you, how hard you thought the fourth one was. It doesn't matter how hard you thought any of the previous work was. If you did the fifth rep of the third set, then you completed the workout and you got stronger. You and provided so the stress that yes made or you no strong. Thing. Like right. having just that ease of yes or no really nice <laughs> like it's an easier map to follow right i think it's also interesting that all of the other programs that uh, that involve a training aspect to their approach to exercise all wait until you're an advanced lifter to do it i think it's rather odd that that no one else is is figured out that a systematic orderly training approach to novice training is in fact much more important than uh, than a similar approach to a, to somebody's training who's already made up their minds that they're a competitor right like why does it have to why does squatting and benching and deadlifting have to be for a competitive powerlifter like why can't anybody who wants to get strong do yeah. the same lifts is that kind of what you're saying right right I, i'm right. saying that you know, it's obvious to everyone that, you know, 531 and RPE and all this other stuff applies as is clearly a training approach. And it also clearly applies to people who are going to meets. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you could argue otherwise, but I think the vast majority of people that are doing this are, are serious lifters. Why not approach the problem in a training manner? To the 55-year-old housewife that comes in the gym. Right? Because we, we she, know it works better. Used, right. We know that the habits that she will develop uh, as a result of this kind of an approach will benefit her, not just in the gym, but at the house, at work, mm -hmm. in every other aspect of her life. But she has to get used to, and people listening to this might have to get used to, not being entertained by your by your going to the gym. Precisely. Let's discuss the, the, the parts of training uh, that people would rather not experience, but that they have to experience in order to, in fact, be training. Like one thing is you have to go to the gym three times a week in a certain order. And you have to get used to planning your happy hours around that, planning work meetings around that, planning when you're going to get up, planning when you're going to eat. That has to happen. That has to be a new priority in your life. And it's not on a whim anymore. It's not like, oh, I've, I just, I ate so much this weekend. I need to go to a spin class. It's not reactive. It's more proactive. Precise. So you have to make different decisions every day to make that happen. And it's not, 
a whim or a lazy approach. It's a very systematic approach, like like Rip just said. Right. Like you you write said. it down. You write it down yeah. in advance, and then you do what you wrote. Another thing that you have to get used to is being uncomfortable. Like I know I've talked about this before about you know fuck your feelings and all, but you know these work sets are not easy sets every time. Like when you first begin this, you're kind of in like the honeymoon phase where you're like, okay, that weight's doable. I'm going to go in and knock out my three sets of five. It'll take me an hour. Um, but there gets a point where the weight's intimidating and um, you're not sure if you're going to make it, but you still have to get under the bar. You have to unrack it and you have to tell yourself, you know, hips or you have to tell yourself, you know, uh, stay in the hips, the ceiling. You have to have that one cue and, you talked about this a lot over the seminar weekend, Rip, that you have to rely on something to get you through the set. Even if it feels heavy on your back, you have to do it. And that being uncomfortable is different because you're, you might fail and we don't like failing. <laughs> no, That's not something that a lot of us are used to. No. Um, and, and you got to be you, ready for it. And, and by the same token, you can't dwell on the possibility that you're going to fail. Okay. One of the one of the reasons we, we like to give the lifter a technical cue to concentrate on during, especially the work set, most especially the last rep of a work set, is so that the thought of what this heavy weight may be about to do to you is displaced by the... Uh, the, the critical analysis of what must take place in order that that not occur. Right. You so have to think about the procedure. Yes. So that so that you're not you're not thinking about what you're going to do this rep with. You're thinking about how you're going to do the rep so mm -hmm. as to complete the rep. And this is a this is a mental skill. Uh, far more than a mental skill, uh, than, a, than a physical skill. This is a mental skill that, that you have to cultivate that carries over into so many other aspects Absolutely. of your life. And I, I really believe that, and we've, we've talked about this for, for many years, that uh, weight training is, and strength training in, in, uh, in particular, program strength training is as much developmental for your brain as it is for your body. And mm -hmm. uh, this is one of the reasons why it, it cultivates and develops the ability to discipline your, your ability to concentrate on things. Yeah, and that's, that's big. Like I'm just an anecdotal experience. Like I worry a lot about the future. <laughs> like spend time worrying about things that I can't control and that, that can just make you freeze and not create any progress. And so having that one, um, the one simple thing that you can, that you know you can execute and making yourself only think about that is big because then you can make progress and you won't just freeze and not change. And change is the biggest thing that comes from training, it's an adaptation. Yes, that's um. change is what we're trying to make occur. And, uh... That's the nature of adaptation is something is now different. And the nature of training is that the things that are different are under our conscious and intentional direction. 
Which is and pretty fucking cool. This <laughs> is pretty fucking cool. There's no doubt yeah. about it. It puts you back in charge. And yeah. Uh, and you know, as a as a way to dovetail into this thing, there's a we we've been discussing uh, a thing recently on the board about PTSD, and uh, without going into a lot of detail to recoup the thread, uh, my position and that of several of the other people that are posted on the board is that the best thing you can do for PTSD is to return an aspect of control to your day. Mm -hmm. If you can cultivate the ability to uh, direct your attention completely and totally for the next 60 seconds while you're under the bar, that has a tremendous positive carryover into the other 23 hours and 59 minutes of the day. When you're, yeah, right. And Like uh, if you have anxiety about something, you get really tunnel visioned right. on the one thing, that one, one thing. And so to step back from it, just, just give yourself a break from that really opens up how much better you can approach everything else. Right. Yeah. yeah learn to tunnel vision somewhere else. Yeah. We talked a bit about relying on external validation and a bit about relying on external motivation. And that's another aspect that you can just get stuff waiting for to never happen. Mm -hmm. And so through training, you, you're more responsible for your own progress and you start to learn that nothing's going to happen unless you actually do it. Well, the interesting thing about that is you've got a training log, mm -hmm. right? And I know I'm an old fuddy-duddy and stuff, and I tuck my shirts in. And uh, <laughs> I tuck my shirt in, too. <laughs> what do I, yeah, me and, me and Nikki both tuck our shirts in. What, what else about me is old and in the mud? I like, I like Zeppelin and not Tool. Right, I talk about mailing things. I put things yeah. in the mail, you know, that sort of thing. One of the other one of the other aspects about me that's fuddy duddyish is that I keep a paper log, and when I train clients on those rare occasions anymore, when I train clients, we'll write down tonight's workout, and then as soon as the workout is finished, we write down the next workout. Mm -hmm. I've got a couple of guys I help in here at night, some old farts like myself. Uh, <laughs> I can't stand to mess with kids anymore. God, they're such unfocused little bastards. I just <laughs> rather not deal with them. And, and these yeah. old guys, in, in fact, uh, one of my guys in here has been a friend of mine for several years was a B-52 pilot back in the, uh, back in the Cold War. He worked for, oh, cool. for Strategic Air Command. And he had uh, open heart surgery about eight months ago and decided after they finally released him from cardiac rehab. Uh, <laughs> to lift objects more than to, 20 pounds. <laughs> yes, to lift objects more than 20 pounds. Uh, I started with him, and, and the first day he came in here and trained, uh, he deadlifted 88 pounds for a set of five. And his comment that day was, you know, this is way harder than anything they had me do in cardiac rehab. <laughs> and 
I said, yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, and let me show you a little trick. So I grabbed this book and I wrote down the next workout and I, I wrote down 100 times five on the deadlift and his eyes got real big and I said, no, I already wrote it down. You have to do it. I wrote it down <laughs> and you have to do it. In fact, you're gonna do it Wednesday. And I said, because it's written down, you're gonna do it Wednesday. It's real now. It's real. It's, it's real now. And it doesn't matter what you think about it. It certainly doesn't matter what you feel about it. You can do it. I know you can do it, even though you don't know you can do it. But when you come in here on Wednesday and do it, then you'll know. And Warren, he did it. And, and you did it. So Wednesday he came in and did it. And he said, that felt just as, God almighty, that was hard. So <laughs> did it feel any harder than Monday's 88? He said, well, no, it felt about the same. I said, when you're doing 315 for five, you know, the end of this year, it'll feel exactly the same way. <laughs> and, I did. Uh, and he, you know, he couldn't believe it. But the fascinating thing is that using this method of, of convincing yourself, whether you want to or not, that you're going to do it by writing it down and that it has to be done and your feelings and desires and wishes are utterly irrelevant. It now says Wednesday, 100 pounds. And you're going to come in here and do it. And he's up to 250 for three now. That's cool. And it's been, uh, it's been eight, it's been eight months. Interesting thing about Scott is, is that he's gotten off of the vast majority of all of his medications. And I told him the other night, he said he had a uh, doctor's appointment and that he was interested in getting off of a bunch of his stuff. And I said, well, here's the interesting thing, Scott, you're not a heart patient anymore. Now you're a lifter. <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah, I am. Mm -hmm. And he's stronger than he's ever been his whole life. He's 66. And He's stronger than he's ever been. He's never trained before. And, uh, you know, this, I, ladies and gentlemen, I can't tell you how critical it is that you extrapolate the effects of this training approach to your exercise program beyond the gym because it operates far beyond the gym. There are aspects of implementing the training program that must occur in the gym in order for you to be successful in the gym. Those things carry over and they're, they're far more important outside the gym than they are in the gym. But the things that you learn in the gym facilitate this. Mm -hmm. These things briefly are learning to train when you don't want to, learning to not care how it feels, learning to disregard anything except the numbers in the book, uh, making a schedule and sticking to it. And, and people, I mean, plan your funerals around your training. Okay? <laughs> it's that, it's certainly that critical. Certainly plan weddings around your training. And sometimes but you're going to have to plan sex around your training. Getting laid. Mm -hmm. Going to sleep. Everything about this. Uh, must be planned around your training. And if you can learn to do these things, the things that training demands, 
and the things that training teaches you, then you're going to be a better person as a result of this. Nikki, thanks. Thank you. Appreciate your input. Where's <laughs> Henry? Always good to be here. Where did Henry, Henry go? Come here. Henry. I have a cat you. now. You probably don't even want oh, to see I it. I don't care about the cat. <laughs> Hi, cat. But, but tell, pet, pet Henry on the head for us. I will. Okay. All right. <laughs> and you. you guys pet Henry on the head, too. Thanks for watching us, and we'll see you thanks, next guys. time. Bye-bye. <laughs>